<clears throat> well, Marty is in Texas. Uh, his granddaughter had a birthday or is having a birthday, and uh, I look forward to that one day, hopefully. Right, Valerie? If it happens, I will celebrate their birthdays. Uh, but he asked me to teach. I enjoy teaching. I like to sometimes discover uh, new things that I might not have known or understood. Uh, this is not one of those cases, but it is something that uh, when you study and you know the situation, but the, the, the truth, uh, the reality of what happened bubbles up and comes alive even more than what I understood before. Uh, I hope you all have times of study like that because it's like what I like to call an aha. I understand it more. The truth has always been there in God's word. It's, it's just us discovering it. And when Marty asked me to teach, and I know my wife already told me I can't go super long. Uh, Crystal kind of told me that too. I have a tendency to want to keep going because when I know something, I want to really have you guys understand it. And the more, I'm even doing it right now, the more I talk about it, the more I understand it, and it becomes a lie to me. And, and I enjoy giving that to someone else. But, uh, and I, I couldn't even tell you why in particular God led me here. Uh, sometimes it's something I had already been studying uh, sometimes it's something that somebody might have said or whatever or uh, something that I might have read somewhere else. But uh, this was not one of those cases. This is just like, what What do you got for me? Boom, okay, hey, I want to know about that. So, but if you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 22. And just to give a little, and th this helps my brain get into the right uh, perspective of, of where we're at in the reality and in the timeline of, of the Jewish nation as a whole. You know, you had Saul as king, and then David became king, and David had uh, Solomon, and Solomon was king. After Solomon, the kingdom was split. Israel went to the north. Judah uh, went to the south. Uh, at this particular time of uh, chapter 22, Israel has already been taken captive. Judah has not yet. But these little phones that, at least the phone I have that has the Internet, you can look up almost anything, and, you know, you can get a graph, you can get some information. And uh, so I, I did that. And if, if you've never looked at the site, Got Questions, wonderful site, uh, quick responses with their answers, not drawn out like I am, but uh, I just typed in kings of Israel and kings of Judah, and it pulls up. And if you were to look at that and look at the kings of Israel, who was, not, who was the, the part of the nation we're not talking about tonight, we're talking about this... Uh, Judah to the south. But if you look at all the kings of Israel, 
uh, I'm not going to read all the names, but Ahab was one of them, and Ahab, you know, was the time of, of Elijah when he had trouble with that and with uh, Jezebel, and, yeah, we don't, we don't like Jezebel. But uh, the way they have this listed, they have all the kings of Israel, and then they have a word after them, rebellious, bad, wicked, evil, sinful, uh, extra bad, the worst to the point, to, to this point, Ahab, disobedient, mostly rotten, not good, but better than the rest. Huh. He was not good. Uh, non-compliant, uh, wayward, abysmal, full of vice, horrible, idolatrous, awful, and appalling, all the way down to the kings of uh, Israel before they were taken into captivity. When you look at the kings of Judah, you see a little bit better. Here are some words that, ret- that uh, refer to uh, kings of Judah. Mostly bad, mostly perverted. Huh, good. Righteous, terrible, bad, devilish. Mostly virtuous, mostly wholesome, mostly respectable, worthy, uh, heinous, the best, Hezekiah. Uh, depraved until he actually repented, Manasseh. Uh, treacherous. And the one we're going to talk about tonight, Josiah, has the word great. And then dreadful, degenerate, uh, frightful, and foolish after him. And then uh, there were four kings after Josiah, and then then uh, uh, Judah went into captivity. Uh, what was that, about 120 years after uh, Israel had went into captivity by the Babylonians or the Assyrians. I'm not sure which. Doesn't doesn't make any difference right at the moment with who we're talking about. But Josiah, his great-grandfather, yes, great-grandfather was Ezekiah, who was referred to as the best. When you look at it, at Hezekiah and Josiah, though there's probably, at least reigning-wise, uh, not necessarily age-wise of how many years there were, but probably 65, maybe 70 years or so between when the one became king and then when Josiah became king. So you got book-ended good kings. Uh, there's a lot written about Hezekiah, and you can study that in Second Kings and in uh, uh, Chronicles, but <clears throat> that's not where God led me. God led me to Josiah. And Josiah, at least in Second Kings, is only a, a, a couple chapters. Uh, there's not a lot of the things he did. He didn't necessarily have to fight wars, but what had happened... After Hezekiah, he had a son named Manasseh, who was probably on the Judah side, was the worst king of all. And when you look at Manasseh, he reigned for 55 years. And because of his depravity and because of his wickedness, God had already uh, declared that in time down through the the last king of Judah, which was Zedekiah, that they would go into captivity, that they would be judged. But what happened with Manasseh is, and let's just, I got that wrote there. Chapter uh, 21, 
verses 1 through 3, it says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was, and I can't pronounce all these names, uh, Hephzizba, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before uh, the people of Israel. For he rebuilt this, the things that Hezekiah had tore down, rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed, and he erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah uh, as uh, Ahab, king of Israel, had done, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them was wicked and evil, and he led the nation astray. Then his son, Ammon, he only reigned a couple of years, but this is what the word says about him. Uh, Chapter 21, starting verse 19. Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was, I'm not even going to attempt it. Yeah the daughter of Haruz of Jotba. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord as Manasseh, his father, had done. He walked in all the way uh, in which his father had uh, walked and served the idols that his father had served and worshipped. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. So he continued to lead the nation astray. The good that Hezekiah had done, Hezekiah sought to do some of the same things that Josiah did, which is tear down the places of worship to get rid of these things, even the ability for the people to get to those places, to have the things to to do, uh, to worship wrongly, and to practice evil. Manasseh went completely against the, the edicts of his father, Hezekiah and sought to do evil, and his son did the same. And getting into Josiah, uh, if, if this doesn't encourage you with what we see present-day United States and even the world, you've got so much evil going on. I mean, I, I look at, at uh, what, little... little tidbits of, of uh, you know, video of, of somebody doing something evil or, or espousing something evil, and they think it is as good as they can get. They call evil good, even today as they did back in the time. But when Ammon, Ammon, Josiah's father, was actually assassinated and killed, and this is where we began with Josiah, chapter 22, Uh, of 2 Kings. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Eight years old. I I don't know what I was doing at eight, but I certainly was not making hardly any decisions, probably even for myself. But he began to reign when he was eight years old, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah, of Boscath, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. And 
what really, and, and, and I, I continued to read, but when I got even to there, you know, I thought about, you looked at what Manasseh had done and even what Am and his son had carried on. They probably still had some sacrifices. They probably still did some, quote, outward appearances of worshiping God. But they did not worship in their heart. They sought to do evil, and as they did evil, even the things as they tried to maybe, you know, on the outward worship God and do the things that they thought they should do, God was still severely displeased with that. And in, in I do like some of the, the, the videos that I like to watch that I think, the, you know, the, the, the phone or the sites kind of get used to what you look at. Those are things that usually pull up. I look to, like to look at godly things. I like to listen to preaching. I like to hear somebody defend uh, good and moral decisions that people should make. But still you see some of the things that come up and, you know, just talking about some of them, and, and I'll, I'll say this for anyone that wants to listen, and I hope it goes out on the Internet, and I'll, I'll, I'll defend this to the day I die. Men are men and women are women. It's not the other way around. People are going to believe what they want, and like my dad always told me, you know, if you want to be wrong, you can be wrong, but don't make me be wrong with you. So all of those things, that how people think evil is good today, some of the same things were going on even at the time that Josiah becomes king. God's gracious to us, and those that he calls, he calls. And even though this is Old Testament, and it's before the Holy Spirit came, uh, God is still gracious in his dealings with Josiah. At a young age, eight, he put in Josiah's heart a desire to be obedient to God. Let's continue reading verse 3. It says, In the 18th year of the king Josiah, the king sent Saphon, the son of Azaleel, Azaleel, son of I'm messing with me, uh, Meshulah, Lamb, the secretary of the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money. One thing that Josiah did was start to rebuild uh, the temple, rebuild the, the, the place where they were, would worship. And they had uh, masons and carpenters and those type people that he trusted, the king trusted. And he sent uh, Hilkiah the priest to count the money so that they could give the money to these workers so they could get the materials they needed. Where do I want to... I'm going to skip down so that... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Verse 7, he says, But no accounting shall be asked from them uh, for the money that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly. He trusted them, and they did the right things. So even at this time, God began to work in the lives of people doing the right thing. You know, 
I saw a video, you know, it's, it's usually in California, and I just hate it. I hate that I watch these, but, you know, somebody, 10, 12, 15 people go in such and such store, and they just rob them blind. I mean, they're just walking, you know. And these places can do nothing about it. The police will not show up. They can't do anything, and if they report or call the police, a lot of these people are getting fired and losing their jobs. I, it just floors me. Uh, but Josiah had some people he could trust. They gave them the money. He said, I don't need to know what you're doing with it. Get the place built. Verse 8, And Hilkiah the high priest said to Saphon the secretary, I have found the book of the law. When uh, Manasseh and Ammon, and even before Hezekiah, his dad had disregarded all of that. Hezekiah tried to bring it back. But here we have Josiah, Hilkiah the high priest, and he says, I found the book of the law. That which was written down, which they had, which most likely was the first five books of the Old Testament, he found. And it says he read it. Revival will start when people, when I, when you fall back in love with God's word and desire to read it. Josiah wanted to do what was right. He wanted to follow the Lord, and he started out that way, but he did not have the book of the law. When Hilkiah, the high priest, went, did what he was told with the money, and went into where they were working, and he found the book of the law, and he read it. And his desire was to share with the king. Uh, let's skip to verse 10. It says, Then Saphon, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Saphon read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Hakiam, uh the son of Saphon, and Akbor, the son of Micaiah, and Saphon the secretary, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people, and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. You know, when you go back into the, the time of Moses and when Moses began to write, those were important things. You know, you look at Genesis, we see uh, the account of, of Abraham. You see the account of, of Joseph in, Israel, or in Egypt. You see the account of the, the nation being led out of Egypt. You see the account of them being able to, after 40 years, take the promised land. You see how faithful God was. And they were told 
they were commanded to remember these things. And one reason that we have this table right here, and if you read it, this do in remembrance of me, of Christ, is because even us today, we are so apt to forget and to not have in the forefront of our mind that which is important. And it's ultimately God, his word, Jesus, and everything that he did. So you have Hilkiah the priest. He's reading it to the king, and the king is like, oh, dear, we're in trouble. Whatever was read touched his heart. He tore his clothes, you know, and, and he began to mourn. Skip all the way through to chapter 23. You, you guys can go back and get all of this in, but I want to show you what it was that he did. You know, it's, it is important that we read God's word. That's very important. It's important that we obey God's word. But putting feet and hands to actual work shows what it is we believe and who it is that we believe. And if we believe God's word is true, those things that he tells us to do, we should do. So Josiah saw the judgment that was getting ready to fall. All, and he knew what they had done. He knew what his, his granddad had done. He knew what his father had done. He probably had ideas of what his great-grandfather Hezekiah had tried to do for the nation. But it says in chapter 23, Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. He, he brings everybody to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. This was Everybody. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. When, when I was studying this and, and, and I'm, I'm contemplating what God is saying, for, for me, for you, we live in this nation. We can do what we can do. We are not in a position of power to broadcast throughout the whole country. There are people that could do that, that have that ability, that have that position, but we don't see that. But with us, we know God's word. What are we going to do with our family? What decisions are we going to make with our family? Are we going to pull them together and say, hey, and I think probably some of us said, you know what? You live in my house. You're going to church. You're going to church. Now, I didn't have to argue with my kids a lot. You know, sometimes they might have wanted to sleep in or, or something. But they went to church. I'm making these decisions, and you're going to follow me as I follow God. That's what Josiah is doing. He's 18 years old. Probably under 20 at this time that all these things are happening. And God is leading him into making these great and good decisions for the nation. 
But if you read on, uh, I should have marked this. Look at verse 4. These are some of the things that he began to do. You know, just to, to, there were big, and I don't even know exactly what they looked like, but they called them Asherah, like poles, and it was places where they gathered to worship in an evil way, to worship like other nations. They worshiped Baal. They did things, and even going back into the days of Solomon before the nation was split, even Solomon brought in, you know, women from these other countries and brought in some of their uh, worship too that was against God, and it caused the country problems. But look at verse 4. It says, And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the keepers of the threshold, to bring out of the temple of the Lord the vessels made for Baal. These were in the temple. For Asherah and for all the hosts of heaven, he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he deposed the priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem, those also who burned incense to Baal. Some of these priests were not even of the line of Levi. They were just people that they set in place to do these things, to work evil, to, to practice evil. Look at verse 7. It says, And he broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the Asherah. And he uh, brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah and defiled, and defiled the high places where the priests had made offerings for Geba uh, to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places of the gates that were at the entrance of the gates of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on one's left of the gate of the city. So the things he's doing, he knows where this evil is taking place. And not is, he's just not going out and saying, okay, guys, you can no longer do this. He's taking away their ability to have a place to do it. And you could read on, and, and, and I don't want to get you know, too in-depth here, but you can read on chapter 23, and you can see how he continues to do that. He continues to tear these places down, to take those opportunities away. Now, he's not strictly changing the hearts. He's changing the opportunity for the heart of those wicked people to have a place to do that. That is the beginning. When, when we, as, as believers, really fall back in love with God's word and we read it and we believe it and we take it to heart and we practice what it says we uh, do those things that it says to do and we, we uh, abstain from those things that it says not to do that is the beginning sometimes it may take a while for someone's heart to truly get into the place of not wanting to do those things. But when we take away the opportunity, that's the beginning. That's what he's doing for the nation. He's taking away the opportunity for them to have those places, to see those things, and to worship in an evil, evil way. Skip all the way to verse 21 of chapter 23. And if you go back 
and, and I think we all understand what happened during uh, what the original Passover was when the Passover lamb, or the pass, when the angel passed over the, the houses uh, there in Egypt and where the Israelites had placed the blood on the door and as it dripped and it, it took the form of a cross, that angel did not enter into those places of residence and did not kill the firstborn. But Egypt, they didn't adhere to that. They didn't know. And all the firstborn were killed. And that's when Pharaoh just said, just get out, just get out of here. And he still pursued them. But God delivered them and, and took them out of bondage. And though it took 40 years, he did uh, grant them the... Uh, the uh, Canaan, the, the, land, the land that he had promised them. But what they had done, at least in the time from Manasseh and Ammon, who had withheld everything that was good, they may have had opportunity to read the, the law, to read the covenant, but they failed to do that. They didn't share it with the people. And ultimately, they led the people astray, even though the people ended up making their own decisions. But it says in verse 21, And the king commanded all the people, this is what he told them, Keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. For no such Passover has been kept since the days of the judges. Now, I don't know how accurate that statement is, but that's what he, how, lo- how long it had seemed to at least him, how long it had been. I'm sure uh, that they probably, that he had some records, you know, like, you know, if, if, if 50 years from now when none of us are here and somebody comes and starts reading some of our business meeting notes, they can say, hey, there was somebody named David that always made a motion or this and that and, you know, that. He probably had something of of that nature to look at, and he saw none of this happening. No one was called to honor God during the Passover, but when he discovered that that was uh, a requirement, that it was necessary, he calls the people and says, this is what we're going to do. Verse 22, For no such Passover has been kept since the day of the judges who judged Israel were during all the days of the kings of Israel or the kings of Judah. So widespread. And what my fear is for this country, you know, we can honor God and do those things that, that uh, lift him up and we can serve him with our whole heart. But that does not mean that God's not going to send judgment on this country. And I think he is. And, and I don't mean to be flippant in, in how I say this, but I think it's required. I think it's necessary for him to do that. Even though Josiah, from a young age, not from a background of godly men desired in his heart to worship God. God showed him his word. He read from it. 
he learned, and he obeyed. You go back to Manasseh, his grandfather, who did wicked and evil and abhorrent things in the sight of God. And because of that, because of the willingness of the nation for that, they were going to go into judgment. They were going to go into captivity. There was nothing that was going to withdraw that from God, from God doing that. When Josiah began to honor God, God held back. God was not quick to pass the judgment that he was going to pass. As Josiah sought to honor him, and it wasn't just a Josiah by himself. He thrust that upon the nation and those around him. He had that, 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 uh, the, the, the stretch of his word went far. And they listened. He reigned for 31 years. So they had 31 years of honoring God, tearing down all the high places, and honoring the Sabbath and doing all that. And not only that, but all those people that sought, the, the priests that were brought in to, uh, that were not even Levites, to lead the people astray. And, and I, I don't pretend to understand all of this, but I know justice of God uh, sometimes is swift. All those priests... He had put to death. I'm not saying, you know, put people to death uh, nowadays or whatever, but uh, if it's God's choice and he does it, however he does it, that's on him. And even though Josiah had sought to honor God and do all those things, and hopefully that's where we're at, and uh, love God, love his word, Proclaim those things that we know are true from the from from the word itself. But honestly, and and we should do that. We should. And we have the ability to do that. But that's still not gonna withdraw what I think God's judgment on this country is gonna be. And it could be in our lifetime, it could you know, it may be after us. But those things are going to happen because we look and see what happened to the nation even during Josiah. Look at verse 26. It says, Still the Lord did not turn from the burning of his great wrath, even because of all the good and the, 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 the honorable things that Josiah did for God, because of God, uh, not out of, out of uh, what he thought he could get, but out of a, a true desire to honor God. It says, The Lord did not turn from the burning of his great wrath by which he was uh, by his anger was kindled against Judah because of the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight as I have removed Israel, and I will cast off the city that I have chosen 
Jerusalem, and the house of which I said my name shall be there. As I started reading this and I saw the great things that, that, uh, that Josiah did and was able to do because of the grace of God, it's not because of who Josiah was, it's all because of who God is. There was a moment, a time, just a little bit, a blip on the radar screen where God, and, and, and I, I don't even know how he, God knows already, but he withdrew what his wrath and his judgment was going to be, and Judah, for a moment, had peace, especially with each other. They had a heart that desired to serve God. But after Josiah, and it, I mean, it's, it's a few kings after Josiah, about four, but it's not a whole bunch of years, Assyria comes in and takes Judah, and they go into captivity. And even that, even God doing that, when you look at it as a whole, even when judgment falls, God's being gracious because as his judgment falls, he's still calling people to repentance. He's still calling people to, to come back to him. And through all of that, even as wicked as some of those kings were, and especially his grandfather Manasseh, we see the graciousness of God as a whole because what do we see well, I think, what, what year was Josiah? i got to look at this. Josiah was 640 to 609 B.C., so about 600 years later, Christ comes. And all the judgment that was set to fall, though it's going to fall on some, the graciousness of God has come to rest on us. What does God expect us to do? Revival, I think, really starts when the Christian, not the unbeliever, but revival starts in the Christian when they desire God's word again. I've read most of the Bible. You know, I had classes in college where I had to read and read and read and read and read and keep a journal and all this. But probably in the last three years, I have desired to read God's word. And we have so many opportunities. We can have it on our phone. You can have a small one. You can have a big one. You can have a study Bible. You can have you know, different translations that help. But desire God's word. Don't let it become lost like it was with the time of Manasseh and Ammon. And then because of their evilness... Josiah didn't have it available to him on the front side. Be the parent, be the friend, be the grandparent, you know, if that ever happens, that shares the word with them from a young age so that they will ultimately, hopefully, have a desire to truly read God's word. Don't withhold it. Don't become 
selfish in, 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 your, in your Bibles and, you know, with how you study. One reason I get up here and I like to I continue to talk and talk and talk and talk is because it's important. And it's, it's, it's stuff that needs to be proclaimed. And I enjoy doing that. So, a couple points. When Josiah found out that they had found the Bible that they had, they didn't have what we have, but they had probably the first five books, he wanted not just himself, but he read it to the people. The people. So our lives, you know, I work at Walmart, and I can't always carry a Bible and all that. And, but what we can do is we can be the beacon and light that the world needs to see. Not just in always going up and saying, hey, let me, uh, can I quote to you uh, John 3.16? That's important. We need to you know, do that sometimes. But it's how we live, what we do, what we refrain from doing. Be that person that when someone you know, family member, friend, co-worker, and it's happened to me, and, and, and I hope it's happened to you, they go, well, something's happened. Oh, I could talk to so-and-so because I know they go to church. They might not know everything about you, but they'll gravitate toward that person that is moral and, and upright and trustworthy and godly that they've seen. They may be some people that would make fun of you in good times for them and, and look down and not want anything to do, but let them go through something that causes them to wonder and hurt and have some angst. I'm, I'm going to talk to so-and-so and see what they say see how they can help. Maybe they'll pray for me. And if we're doing that because we know God's word, that is a wonderful thing. Uh, and it ultimately does not come back to, you know, because we're who we are, but it's because of whose we are. And that's a big difference. I'm just David. You don't ask my wife, but she could probably tell you if you did, I'm not always the nicest person. Chris will probably tell you that too. I'm not. I can be rude. I can, I can be those things. But hopefully in the long run, if, if, if you were to describe me, hopefully that's not where you would begin. I am a child of God. I am somebody that's been bought and paid for with a price. And I have the words of life, and I want to share them. That's what jo Josiah did. It didn't cause the nation to uh, be withheld from judgment. And even what we can do now in the United States in proclaiming God's word and teaching and, and, and preaching and, and, and living a godly life, that it probably is not going to withhold what God may do. I, I, I don't know. But there's people that we all know that we can have an influence on. And with God's word, he can change them. 
And though they may go through and though we may go through the judgment that God judges this country, I would much rather be, and I'm going to close on this because it's almost 8 o'clock, I would much rather be a Christian going through the judgment that this country would uh, be going through than to be a non-believer and go through it. What's the end result for the believer even going through a time of a judgment as a whole for, for a nation or, or a people. It may be trial and tribulation and, and heartache, but hope. Hope. But for those that do not have that, it's desperation. It's, it's hopelessness. And Sometimes, even with the hope I know I have, I do get down, and I feel depressed. And that's a horrible place, and I don't like being there. And hopefully, and it usually does not last long, because God reminds me of the things he's done and things he's doing. But for someone to be lost and to go through those type things... I think my mind, my brain, my heart, my whole body would probably just explode. It's so much. But we have the truth. We have this book. And I don't care from Genesis to Revelation, it's the testimony of Jesus Christ to this world. And that is what we need to share. We have it. It's not lost. When Josiah got it back, he proclaimed it. That is exactly what we need to do, and I think that's exactly where revival starts. A new, added, fresh desire for God's word. Not to preach, not to teach, but to learn, to know what it is God says, to know what God says to do. Those type things. And I am, I am excited because of this. And well, I, I have a nep- nephew, second, a great nephew named Josiah. I would love to have a grandson named Josiah, if anybody's listening. I, I think that would be cool. Now, I don't know. That's probably not going to happen, but maybe I'll nickname him Josiah. So let's pray. Uh, I want everybody to have a chance to pray if they want. Uh, Start back here with Daryl since he's the furthest back, and we'll end with Ken up here. But are there any requests? I know I saw uh, uh, Nicole today.